Sickle Cell Disease by Dr. Virginia Tran and Dr. Natasha Archer. Learning Objectives By the end of this video, the learner will be able to discuss the pathophysiology of sickle cell disease, identify the common complications seen in this condition, and describe the management options of sickle cell disease and its complications. Introduction Sickle cell disease is an inherited blood disorder characterized by the production of a structural hemoglobin variant that is prone to polymerization resulting in abnormal crescent-shaped red blood cells, hemolysis, and vasoocclusion. Annually, approximately 2,000 babies are born with the disease in the United States, 300,000 worldwide. There are several different genotypes depending on which hemoglobin beta-globin components are inherited. The most common sickle cell disease genotype is hemoglobin SS, where an individual inherits two sickle cell genes, or S genes. Another mutation in beta-hemoglobin chains can cause a structural variant called hemoglobin C. If an individual inherits a copy of hemoglobin C from one parent and a copy of hemoglobin S from the other, they have the genotype hemoglobin SC, which is usually a milder form of sickle cell disease. Other mutations in beta-globin genes cause beta-thalassemia or decreased production in beta-globin chains. Beta-thalassemia can either be beta-plus thalassemia, where there is decreased production of beta-globin, or beta-zero thalassemia, where there is no production of beta-globin. When an individual inherits beta-thalassemia from one parent and a copy of hemoglobin S from the other, they have the genotype hemoglobin S beta-thalassemia, which is also usually a milder form of sickle cell disease. There are also more rare mutations in hemoglobin, which when inherited with hemoglobin S, create other compound heterozygote variants of sickle cell disease. These other genotypes make up less than 2% of those with sickle cell disease. When an individual inherits one copy of normal hemoglobin or hemoglobin A from one parent and a copy of hemoglobin S from the other, they have sickle cell trait. Sickle cell trait means that an individual is a carrier of the hemoglobin S gene, but it does not mean that they have sickle cell disease. The prevalence of sickle cell trait amongst African Americans is 1 in 13. The homozygous state is inherited in an autosomal recessive pattern. The mutation is located on chromosome 6, and two copies, one from each parent, are required to have the disease. Those with compound heterozygous sickle cell disease, like hemoglobin SC or hemoglobin S-beta-thalassemia, inherit one hemoglobin S-beta-globin gene mutation from one parent and another pre-sickling beta-globin gene mutation from the other. For two individuals with sickle cell trait who mate and procreate, there is a 1 in 4 chance of having an affected offspring. Since May 1st of 2006, all 50 states in the District of Columbia require universal newborn screening for sickle cell disease an intervention which has shown to improve outcomes. Pathophysiology In unaffected individuals, the predominant hemoglobin is hemoglobin A, made up of alpha and beta subunits. Other subtypes include fetal hemoglobin or hemoglobin F, made up of alpha and gamma subunits, and hemoglobin A2, made up of alpha and delta subunits. In sickle cell, a mutation in the first coding region of the beta-globin gene results in glutamic acid being substituted by valine at the sixth amino acid position. This leads to the production of sickled hemoglobin, or hemoglobin S. While glutamic acid is hydrophilic, valine is hydrophobic. This is problematic because as hemoglobin S becomes deoxygenated, the hydrophobic valine shields itself by binding to a hydrophobic region of another hemoglobin S tetramer. 
This results in the formation of a rigid polymer, a helical 14-strand structure which distorts the shape of the red blood cell and decreases its deformability. This classic sickling of red blood cells results in two important phenomena, hemolysis and vasoocclusion. Sickled red blood cells are mechanically unstable and thus prone to intravascular hemolysis. They are also rigid and inflexible, leading to entrapment in the spleen and extravascular hemolysis. Abnormal adhesion of sickled cells to endothelium and any other process that leads to delayed transit time can result in obstruction of microvasculature and subsequent hypoxia, tissue damage, necrosis, and organ dysfunction. The propensity of these red blood cells to cause hemolysis and vaso-occlusion leads to complications in many different organ systems. Note, infants under the age of 6 months are usually protected from these complications by high levels of hemoglobin F. Complications The most common complication of sickle cell disease is vaso-occlusion. While individuals with sickle cell disease most commonly present to care for pain, the clinician must also be cognizant of possible tissue damage and organ dysfunction and appropriately treat it. For example, while vaso-occlusion can cause headaches, it is imperative that the clinician also determine if the individual has had a transient ischemic attack, stroke, or retinal artery occlusion as such complications should be treated with more than just pain medication. Equally devastating is the fact that neurocognitive dysfunction is also possible in the absence of clear symptoms. Another example is vaso-occlusion of the small vessels in the lungs, or acute chest syndrome, which can lead to chest pain and symptoms similar to pneumonia. Individuals with asthma have worse outcomes associated with acute chest syndrome due to decreased oxygenation secondary to obstruction. Older individuals with sickle cell disease are likely to develop at least one major cardiovascular complication. Pulmonary hypertension, also secondary to vaso-occlusion, can be exacerbated in sickle cell disease either by the failure of pulmonary capillaries to dilate due to reduced nitric oxide bioavailability or increased thrombosis secondary to hypercoagulation. Two separate autopsy study series have demonstrated that vaso-occlusion in sickle cell disease places individuals at high risk for myocardial infarction. A combination of chronic anemia and hypoxia with increased cardiac output can lead to increased left ventricular stroke volume, leading to left ventricular dilation and cardiomyopathy. In the kidneys, vaso-occlusion can lead to renal infarction, resulting in kidney dysfunction ranging from hyposthenuria to end-stage renal disease. In addition, vaso-occlusion can also cause priapism, a prolonged erection without sexual desire. In the musculoskeletal system, vaso-occlusion in the small bones of the hands and feet cause doctylitis, which is more common in infants. Vaso-occlusion can also lead to bone infarction and avascular necrosis from infarction of bone trabeculae. Individuals are at risk of osteomyelitis, which is often caused by Staphylococcus aureus or Salmonella bacteria. Due to chronic hemolytic anemia and a compensatory increase in erythropoietin activity, individuals can also suffer from osteoporosis. Furthermore, vaso-occlusion in the skin leads to chronic leg ulcers. In the spleen, splenic sequestration, which results in the trapping of circulating blood in the spleen, is a serious complication of sickle cell disease, and splenectomy is often performed following the first acute event in order to prevent reoccurrence. Chronic splenic infarction causes functional asplenia by six months of age and increases one's risk for infection by encapsulated organisms. In terms of development, children with sickle cell disease often experience delayed puberty and reduced growth. 
although the exact pathogenesis is uncertain, it may be due to hypogonadism, hypopituitarism, and hypothalamic insufficiency. Chronic hemolysis and compensatory high red blood cell turnover often results in the production of jaundice and pigmented gallstones, or bilirubinate. Furthermore, infection with human parvovirus B19, which leads to temporary bone marrow suppression characterized by reticulocytopenia, can lead to aplastic crisis and marked anemia. Because individuals are often treated with transfusion, they are at increased risk of iron overload and ensuing cardiac and hepatic complications. Finally, it is important to consider the psychosocial complications of living with chronic pain. The prevalence of negative attitudes towards blacks, especially those with pain, in our healthcare system often can lead to depression and hopelessness within the sickle cell population. It is therefore important for providers to not only have a comprehensive approach to pain management, but also be sensitive to how their management of disease can affect individuals emotionally and physically. Management Hydroxyurea is one of the U.S. FDA-approved therapies for the prevention of pain episodes and acute chest syndrome. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recommends that all individuals with hemoglobin SS and hemoglobin beta-0 thalassemia be offered hydroxyurea, one of the most widely used FDA-approved therapies for the prevention of pain episodes and acute chest syndrome, starting at 9 months of age, irrespective of symptoms. Hydroxyurea increases hemoglobin F, which blocks the polymerization of hemoglobin S tetramers. There are several new drugs currently undergoing clinical trials given the need for better therapies for this underserved population. Due to increased consumption from the ongoing hemolytic anemia, there is a compensatory increase in erythropoiesis. Thus, in regions where food like bread, rice, and cereal are not supplemented with folic acid, individuals are often given folic acid supplementation. So how is this condition treated? The only cure at this time for sickle cell disease is hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, which is not readily available to the majority of individuals with this disease because closely matched donors are often challenging to find, especially due to the ethnic makeup of existing stem cell banks. The chance of cure varies from 50 to 95% depending on how closely matched the donor is with the individual. Gene therapy, another potential cure currently being investigated during which the patient's own hematopoietic stem cells are genetically modified, would increase access to cure in high-resourced countries. Because these therapies are not readily available, long-term management of sickle cell disease is focused on the prevention of possible complications. Since individuals with sickle cell disease become functionally asplenic, they are especially susceptible to infection by encapsulated organisms. Infection prevention is provided with immunization against Streptococcus pneumoniae, Neisseria meningitidis, and Haemophilus influenza type B, along with the standard recommendations. All children with sickle cell disease should also receive an annual influenza vaccine as pain episodes and secondary bacterial infections can occur in the setting of influenza infection. In addition to the above immunizations, a COVID-19 vaccine should be given to all eligible children with sickle cell disease as they are more susceptible to contracting coronavirus. In addition to vaccination, prophylaxis with penicillin or erythromycin in those allergic to penicillin is started at the time of diagnosis and given until age 5 to decrease the incidence of serious bacterial infections. Fevers greater than 38.5 Celsius are also treated aggressively with empiric broad-spectrum antibiotics after obtaining a complete blood count with differential, reticulocyte count, and blood culture.
Antibiotics are continued in those who are hemodynamically unstable, have a positive blood culture, and or other focal signs of infection. Without intervention, up to 11% of individuals with sickle cell disease will have a clinically apparent stroke by 20 years of age. By 45 years of age, the incidence increases to 24%. Thus, individuals with hemoglobin SS and hemoglobin beta-0 thalassemia are screened annually with transcranial Doppler ultrasound beginning at 2 years and until 16 years of age. Children who are found to have elevated blood vessel velocities on transcranial ultrasound and individuals who have had a stroke are typically treated with chronic prophylactic transfusion to prevent new or recurrent stroke. The TWITCH trial has shown that regular blood transfusions for at least one year coupled with lifelong hydroxyurea is non-inferior to lifelong prophylactic transfusion alone for primary prophylaxis. Acute pain episodes are managed with a comprehensive approach to pain management. Drug type, dosing, and route of administration are tailored to the individual's level of pain. Medications commonly used include NSAIDs and opioids. In addition, adjunct medications such as acetaminophen, ketamine infusions, regional and topical anesthesia, as well as non-pharmacologic pain therapies such as Reiki, acupuncture, and massage can be administered based on the individual preference. Biobehavioral skills such as guided imagery and progressive muscle relaxation and cognitive behavioral therapy when regularly practiced may also decrease pain and improve coping during pain episodes. Most life-threatening sickle cell disease complications, such as acute chest syndrome, splenic sequestration, and stroke are treated with transfusion. However, repeated transfusions come with additional complications, including risk of iron overload and alloimmunization. Alloimmunization, the formation of antibodies directed against red blood cell antigens, occurs in approximately 30% of transfused individuals with sickle cell disease. Risk of alloimmunization include number of transfusions and the female sex. This can result in deadly transfusion reactions and or difficulty finding compatible units for transfusion. Iron overload, liver iron concentration of greater than 3 mg per gram or transferrin saturation of greater than 50% most commonly occurs in individuals that are chronically transfused and can result in iron-related complications such as cardiomyopathy. Conditions for which individuals with sickle cell disease are at increased risk, such as infection and myocardial infarction, are treated as they would be treated in non-sickle cell disease individuals, keeping in mind the decreased oxygen-carrying capacity of sickle cell disease individuals due to their chronic anemia. Despite progress in the management of sickle cell disease and its complications, the median age of survival still ranges from 48 to 60 years, which is significantly less than the life expectancy of the general population. Summary Sickle cell disease is an inherited blood disorder caused by a mutation in the beta-globin gene leading to hemoglobin polymerization and the production of abnormal crescent-shaped red blood cells. Sickled red blood cells are prone to hemolysis and vaso-occlusion, leading to complications affecting many different organ systems. Currently, hematopoietic stem cell transplantation is the only cure for sickle cell disease. However, this treatment is not readily available for most individuals living with this condition. Management of sickle cell disease is aimed at the prevention of complications, and treating sickle cell disease-related pain requires not only a comprehensive, multidisciplinary approach to pain management, but also the vigilance to identify possible, life-threatening complications and the sensitivity to address the psychosocial impact of living with a chronic, painful disease. 
Thank you for watching this video on sickle cell disease.